So anyway, yeah, this is kind of an emergency pod. We uh, People we were supposed to do it, I think, had Mother's Day stuff to attend to. So I guess we are the ones who either don't love our mothers or our mothers don't love us. <laughs> uh, just you and me, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that says about us. I'm actually doing Mother's Day tomorrow. So. Oh, really? Is your mom busy tonight? Uh, yeah, it's a, she goes to, she's pretty active in her church. Mm. Um, and she's, she works a lot. I mean, and she loves what she does. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but like she needed to prepare for, for a meeting to, uh, that's tomorrow. So she wanted to just, and she didn't want, she doesn't like crowds. So she didn't want to do the whole mother's day crowds thing. So we're doing it tomorrow. Oh, cool. Good what old olive do? garden. Taking it to olive oh, yeah, garden. Your, yeah. your mom and. your mom's the one who's like the olive garden fanatic right Mm -hmm. yeah it's Mm. at this point it's debatable if she if she's uh if she loves me or olive garden more Uh, mother's day is just her excuse to go to olive garden or you're just her excuse to order a second plate of pasta which she can sample from without (laughs) feeling like very possible very possible (laughs) man she can put those breadsticks away like she she loves she loves Olive Garden so much. Yeah, actually, just uh, in the speaking of food, you know food that may not be uh, great for you in the Discord. Just leading up to this pod, we were chatting about the the McChicken that that used to be now no longer. I don't even know if they sell it anymore at McDonald's. So yeah, you and I we were reminiscing about the great McChicken, and yeah, yeah I think it was my insane- favorite. It's an insane picture. It's a. It's basically a picture of a menu from McDonald's, probably like early nineties, mm-hmm. um, and stuff like like two hamburgers, fries, and and a drink. It's like two ninety nine. Oh wow! Um, yeah, like a like Big Macs or like like a Big Mac meal is like four dollars, three ninety nine. Uh, Super sizing is thirty nine cents. Yeah, it took me back. I remember. I think I remember those days actually. I remember I was really young. I don't know exactly how old I was, but I remember like feeling very like I, it's it's it was so stressful. I still remember it, right? That's how like serious I took it. Um, it's uh, it's my mom handing me ten dollars, a ten dollar bill, and then telling me what to like to bring home lunch from McDonald's, which was like like oh. a couple blocks away or something. Yeah. So it's me Important just like taking this, yeah, this ten dollar bill and just being like, okay, I, I'm on a mission. I I have to do this. Yeah. So and so that which implies that like you could buy uh, a meal for an entire family. It was uh, like the four of us um, uh, at, for ten dollars. Why would you have said if you accidentally bought a McPizza with those ten dollars? What the hell is a McPizza? Oh, you don't know what that was? No. What? A so Mc there was pizza? a time. There was a period, very short lived. I think it was. I think it was kind of like the McCafe. I don't know if you remember that. Where I think this was kind of when Starbucks McCafe? was really. Yeah, I know, I that, isn't that their like coffee menu? That's what they call their coffee. Well, maybe maybe that's what they call it now. But I'm pretty sure that I think this was when Starbucks was really taking off. McDonald's tried to compete by having kind of like a cafe wing of its restaurant, mm-hmm. like not just coffee, but probably a place where you could sit down and you know maybe read a book or or, or some some stuff like that. That was a miserable failure i think but an even bigger miserable failure was the mcpizza where they tried to i guess kind of turn it into a pizza hut like place and i remember going to several family lunches or dinners where we ordered one of those big pizzas and they would bring it out to you they would have the little it wasn't like Domino's where you take it out from a box they would bring it to you serve it to you on like 
you know if you go to like a proper sit down pizza place they'll, they'll put it on top of a little um it's, it's a like stand? a music stand for pizzas yeah no way and i mean obviously like you know it wasn't a retrospect is a terrible idea i i read that the biggest problem was that a, a burger joint does not convert to a pizzeria very easily. Like you need specific mm-hmm. equipment and there was a, the, the wait times are apparently too long. I personally don't remember waiting too long for a McPizza. I actually have fond memories, but what do I know? I was probably like five years old at the time, but yeah, it was a thing. I remember at least in Vancouver, uh, maybe we were like the, the test market or something, but it was there. Dang. Uh, no, I had, I had absolutely no idea. It kind of sounds like they were trying to be pizza hut. Yeah, it it was probably just trying to diversify. Wait, did there you guys like have weird... Pizza Hut up there? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Little like Caesars the, like the was real pizza place, like the but... real Pizza Hut experience, though. Yeah, because you know I, okay. I kind of like lived in the suburbs, so you drive up to like a parking lot and you go and sit down in the yeah in those, yeah like, Everything and... is red. Yeah, got yeah. those red plastic cups and the personal pan pizza. Yeah, yeah. The only see the thing is like pizza. I I have fond memories of Pizza Hut because Little Caesars was the the pizza I grew up with. That was like our typical takeout pizza. But every now and then, for whatever reason, if we stayed over at like an aunt's place or whatever, uh, because our parents you know had some event to go to, for whatever reason, that's when we would eat Pizza Hut. So I kind of have this association of, of Pizza Hut with something a little bit nicer than your standard like Domino's type of thing. But in New York City. I swear, the only Pizza Hut is in Times Square. It's those like really depressing Pizza Hut Expresses that are like, conjoined with a Taco Bell, and it's it, that's not that's no good. They don't even serve like a like a full pizza. I think they only serve like the personal pizzas. Oh, like we that. have those here too. Yeah, that's that's no good. No, I mean I I mean for what it's worth, like they're always on like hall highways and stuff, so it's actually pretty good for that purpose. Like this, this is like a no pretenses. You are pigging out. And Ooh, you're, you're looking for the most efe- effective, efficient way to cram as many different kinds of calories as you can in your body <laughs> at once. That's so great next, for that purpose. Yeah, next time uh, we go camping, uh, I'll, I'll make sure to keep my eye out for a Pizza Hut on the side of the road and demand we go there. Well, so it has to be a Pizza Hut Taco Bell combo. It, you no, have to. It has to be pure Pizza Hut. Pure, pure, pizza, pure pizza. pizza. Okay, you're going for the purest, the purest interpretation. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going for whatever makes Adam yak again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of camping, yeah. I think that's a great way to start the pod. I find that death is not the end. I can help you, help you, help you, Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Escape from Plan A. I'm your host, Chris, here with Jess on this fine Sunday evening. How are you doing, Jess? Good. And as I said, this is kind of a, a last-minute pod because we had this whole episode planned out. It's It's been kind of in – I think we've been talking about doing a pod on like beauty standards and everything for a long time. And then there was this article that came out recently about this subreddit called How to Be Hot. And then you, me, Liza, and Steve wanted to be on it. As I said, uh, Liza and Steve had like Mother's Day uh, stuff to attend to. So we're going to do that episode soon. Listeners, don't worry. You'll get that soon enough. But tonight, uh, Jess and I will just 
uh, riff on a bunch of stuff that that's been on our minds. You know, because we always got stuff on our minds. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about. That's our origin story. <laughs> That's our origin story. Do you remember when we were like, I don't know if we should do a podcast because I don't even really know what we're going to talk about. Like, do we have, mm. while we're talking like eight, like, like eight to like 10 hours a day. To yeah, each it's been like four ish years going strong with no end yeah. in sight. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so I, I was talking about the, the, the camping thing. Just, I listened to the episode you and Teen did on, I don't want to call it the Roe episode because it was more than just Roe v. Wade, but uh, I thought it was very well done. Enjoyed it a lot. And I, I was I found it so weird that Teen was so such in a good mood. I was like, it's creepy, what, what? right? It's, it's creepy. eerie. Like, who in is fact, this? The scariest thing was when he started talking about how great law school was and how he recommends everyone <laughs> go to it. I was like, oh, oh crap! Is this like extreme early onset uh, dementia? <laughs> Is, do we need a doctor? Like, what, what's going on here? Yeah, I've but I can twice relate if you need help. <laughs> but I can relate because I also have been um, just. I mean, it's not just because of the camping thing, but uh, for instance, like uh, I've been giving giving myself a little break from writing, which means I don't have to get up as early in the morning. I don't have to, uh, you know, spend my weekend mornings uh, again, like waking up earlier than I want to, and you know going out to like a cafe and doing things i'm like okay weather's getting nicer i want to enjoy this you know this time um you know some friends of ours have just so happened to move into new york city not to mention the city kind of opening up again whether or not there's like some stealth epidemic going on i don't know i don't even know if anyone cares anymore but it does seem like things are getting back to normal and i'm thinking you know what 10 years from now what am I going to remember more? Enjoying life now or finishing an article or a novel like a, a month earlier uh, than I ended up doing. So I've been taking it a bit more easy and it's been nice getting more sleep, going to the gym more. Uh, How balanced of you. This is this is very <laughs> anti-tortured writer. Mm-hmm. And, um, are you, are you actually, smoking less? Are you eating vegetables too? Well, God, what is this? I, I, this is I, disgusting. I have to admit, I, I, I do have like a post-workout s- smoke. <laughs> it's all about balance. It's all about balance. <laughs> but good news is I, I it's been about a month since I rejoined a gym. Uh, my pro- like, I thought I would get in there. I'll, I'll barely be able to bench like 50 pounds or something. But the progress has been relatively uh, actually encouraging. But um, the last time I was at the gym, not t- today, but... The last time I tried doing a ch- like a pull up, I, I I think I could barely do one. I'm like, okay, the the pull up is the ultimate uh, sign of strength, right? It's like I the think indicator. So. Yeah, yeah, I can't. Like, okay, I can't. I'm not there yet. Yeah, like I I got a long ways to go. I got uh, I think at my max I could do maybe 15 on a good day. 15 pull ups. Yeah. Dang. I was, I was and I was having dinner with our friend Biceps last night and. I asked him like, "Oh, okay, there we go." Know, <laughs> how, how much do you usually? And he's like, "Somewhere like somewhere in the twenties, basically." I'm like, "God damn it!" Like, that's like God damn it! Just, <laughs> but fuck I, this. I have I have no shame, uh, not being able to match a guy named we that we've nicknamed Biceps. <laughs> I really stuck. <laughs> you know, I started I started exercising more too. Um, oh, that's good. Like, it's been good at yeah. a gym or like running or cycling. Uh, just, just at, just at home stuff. I mean, I have a dog, mm-hmm. so I'm always like walking. So this is like in conjunction with all of that. Um, you know, and I started actually kind of nerding out about it, like reading actual papers on, on it. Um, of course, like this, I, 
I'm not a trained professional in this, but like stuff that I was reading, it implies that like, like it's not intensity. It's really about consistency and discipline. Mm-hmm. So you don't, if you don't, you don't have to go to the gym. If you go to the gym like once or twice a week and then try to kill yourself, you're, you're a less likely to go back it, the next week. Uh, two, you're more likely to try to compensate for that. Like you're either going to be kind of like broken down a little, like you're going to be sore or something. So you end up burning fewer calories overall because you're so busy, like recovering from that intense workout. And you're just not, you're, you're less likely to go back, uh, do that, cons- be able to stick to that consistently. Yeah. So like breaking it up and doing like manageable things, but over, like consistently over a much longer period of time, that seems to be, uh, I've been trying sticking, I've been trying to stick to that. It's been working out. Okay. Uh, I gotta say, and muscle degrades way slower than we think it does. That was a big thing. Like, like you, if you, if you go pretty, if you're like, if you go pretty regularly, you have a pretty good, you know, level of fitness and then you suddenly stop for whatever reason. It's not like the, it's not like the clock just resets overnight. It actually takes mm-hmm. like a couple of months to see noticeable degradation of muscle. Um, after that, what you're, oh, yeah. you're probably seeing, if you feel like it's all going to hell is that you're probably like slowing down it, but you're not like eating less. So you're probably putting on body fat. Yeah. So you just feel like, like, you know. Like the muscles going away. Yeah. Um. I. I. My workouts actually never take more than maybe like forty five ish minutes. I have like this routine that I've been doing. Uh. Like. F- like first in high school, uh, when I was you know playing like football, our coach, uh, set a program up for us. I just mm-hmm. keep doing that. It's like forty five minutes is is a pretty good time. I know I'll never get like that strong from it, but I do know that. Because, you know, I've, I've been kind of doing this for many years. I, you know, I, I will get to a point where, you know, I can bench my weight maybe a bit more. I can, you know, do a number of pull-ups. I can squat this strength. And it's like, okay, you know, I don't need to get super jacked. And my workouts are never that intense. I'm not like dri- dripping with sweat ever. But that's why I think. And even then, there are like days where I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go. So <laughs> if it were really intense, I, I think I would just not not go. So this is this is a good like balance i found mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's pretty much the attitude i'm taking to this like i used to like just be like okay i'm gonna just go crush this and then i'm just gonna go crush it again and it's like by week three it's like uh, how about tomorrow which <laughs> turns into like months so mm-hmm. we'll see yeah yay us yay us so okay so I, I just have a bunch of topics that i thought were you know might be interesting to discuss you i'm sure you have some too so let, let's just like Shoot them off in whatever random order. I actually order. don't. No. I am so out of the loop. Oh, really? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not like the stuff I'm going to talk about is that is that like that important to world events either. But I think they're just funny to talk about. Um, firstly, why don't we start with... Oh, that thing I shared with... See, I don't even know if this is real. But let's assume it's real because you can totally see something like this happening. That, that thing that somebody shared in our Discord with the, the teacher. Apparently a very well-meaning teacher <laughs> who put up... Uh, a whole bunch of signs that um, is supposed to reassure various, <laughs> not even minority groups, because one of them is for girls. So girls aren't a minority, but very, I guess, marginalized groups is a, be- a better term for it. Reassuring them that, you know, um, you're not whatever Horrible offensive stereotype, stereotype <laughs> that people say, you might say you are, but then it just puts it out there. Yeah. And, yeah. The worst one was to other Latino students, you are not all rapists and drug dealers. 
Okay, we have to put it in the show notes because I don't think you get the full impact without seeing it. But we'll just read yeah. it. Um, it's uh, first one is dear black students and black is underlined. They're, like, they're, what? Uh, That's so weird. No, I didn't like, even notice that. Yeah, like the the the. Yeah, these are all underlined, like for emphasis, dear black students. In this classroom, your life matters. Like, okay. That's not too bad, but it is rather depressing for, I don't know what grade these kids are supposed to be in. Because it just invokes, it just invokes the opposite. Like, what the hell? Like, before the sign, did it not matter? (laughs) Is it not going to matter when the sign comes down? Like, what the hell? Or or like, outside this classroom, my life doesn't matter. It's just like, why? (laughs) Just the the font that they use and, and just the general sense, it looks like... At least like sub high school. I think it might be elementary. I know, but the cinder block walls are really depressing. So really, this is it's yeah. like if you oh, talk like school, right? Public yeah, school. it's yeah, and like dear Muslim students, you are not terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> dear uh, female dear- students, men cannot grab you. Well, that's like, okay. like well, that's actually All probably right, the best that's, one. Yeah, that's um, that's okay. Only- you should probably say boys, though. I don't know how many men there are around that school that are a threat to do that. It's probably more boys, like their classmates mm-hmm. who do that. Yeah. Uh, dear L- LGBTQ+. And also, plus- it's, it's not that they can't. It's that they shouldn't. Let's be clear. If this is if we're going to get pedantic on this. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, they cannot dear- grab because they have no hands. You know, something like that. Yeah. Like, God damn, this is a weird classroom. Dear undocumented students, in this classroom, there are no walls. Um, I mean, th- there literally is. It's it's, it's on a I wall. Am, like, <laughs> this poster is literally on a very depressing looking wall. Okay, uh, they could at least uh, make dear, it a cool wall. I know, dear Latino like parentheses. Brick. Let's a. Expose brick in here. Hi, uh, yeah. And then, um, dear LGBTQ plus students, your life is beautiful and allowed to expand past fake social rules. Okay, that's that's actually not bad either. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a little condescending. Your life is beautiful. Okay. Uh, thanks, I guess. I also like, like what, what, for the rest of them, your life just, your life is ugly. Uh, <laughs> this one, your life. I, I mean, this is kind of nitpicking, but it's overall like, like what the hell were you thinking? Um, and then, I don't even uh, need Asians, to ask. Asian, I, like, even, I think this is a, I think know, a good even thing that Asians, it, it, I, I, it's like, obviously it means, it's not really a good thing from their point of view because it means we're not part of this special marginalized group, but the actual effect is, I, if I were an Asian student, I would not want to see whatever stere- horrible stereotype they would reinforce up there. And you know what this uh, brought my, to my mind? Um, you know that scene in The 40-Year-Old Virgin where that uh, Muj, who's like the older Indian uh, uh, co-worker of Steve Carell's, just starts rattling off all these uh, like sexual acts? Oh, God. No, I don't remember that movie very well. Okay. So, anyway, it's a hilarious scene. I, I just pictured like this teacher... Like taking an Asian student aside, like, oh, you know, let's say Timmy or whatever, you are not a nerd or a robot <laughs> or an insect or a small dick nerd or um, a job Your stealer. Your dick is just fine. Or a virus no. spreader okay. or yeah. a gook or a chink. <laughs> or it just, like, just like... rattling off every stereotype and then oh. the kid just like, starts crying. Oh, like, oh my god. It. Yeah, shout out That's to CS. That's basically what these signs are doing. Yeah, shout oh. out to CS in the Discord. He, he added, Chinese students, you are not a virus. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, I don't even need to ask the race of the teacher here. I think I think we all know. Probably white, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. just... Have you, have you actually... Uh, interesting question have you ever had a non-white teacher yeah of course okay let's say at the elementary school level let's say elementary school level okay yeah 
I'm trying to think. I don't think I have. I think. Really? I, I, I remember the names of all my teachers. Mrs. Farmer, kindergarten. Uh, mm-hmm. Miss Scott slash Mrs. Thornton, grade one. Grade two, Miss Sawatsky, also grade three. Grade four, Miss um, Kavanaugh and Miss Mrs. Cottrell. Mm-hmm. Grade five, uh, Miss Kavanaugh again and Mrs. Isbister. Mrs. Chalmers, sixth grade, seventh grade, Miss Manon. All white women. Hmm. Okay. There's like maybe like a sub so was like female, some white dude. All here. white. Yeah. Okay. Which I think is probably typical uh, for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Most of my teachers were definitely female. Um, most white, I would say. Um, but as I got like higher up in the grades, uh, there was a little bit like in my seventh grade um, teacher was like homeroom teacher. We had a weird system where, um, like, you would you would swap teachers periodically through through the day, so you'd actually have like three teachers over the course of the day, uh, which is, I guess, closer to high school where you have a different teacher for each subject. Um, so there was a lot more diversity there. So, like, science teacher for seventh and eighth grade uh, were were men. Um, yeah, I got a lot more diverse as I got higher up grade. Yeah, wise. definitely by high school, you know, lots of. Not lots, but a fair bit of uh, male teachers. My physics teacher was actually like a Korean Canadian guy, okay. uh, cool guy. Like, um, you know, he actually made physics very fun. And, That's cool. You know, we had like I don't know Indian woman who taught us chemistry. Uh, well, like like a Latino guy who taught us Spanish. I mean, that's. That's not too surprising, but yeah. So, but I think definitely at the elementary uh, school level, it is probably quite rare to have a teacher who is not a white woman, and if it is a minority, probably not a man. I think it's still very rare to have a male elementary school teacher, which is a shame. We always loved it when like there was a guy. What was his name? Mister Clem. He was a he was a man. I think for kindergarten he would sub for us. And he would sometimes bring his guitar and everything. I think we just liked having that like male energy for once. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, we have a. I mean, definitely, it's it's important. But uh, like, um, I don't know. Uh, I think we have a weird thing going on right now. Where like, I I feel like a lot of people would actually look a little sideways at a man who taught like very young students. Oh, because they think he's a predator. Yeah, we just have. We just, uh, and isn't this isn't it so just, sad. Like, that's the first thing my mind went to. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why. Like, I mean, you're, you're, you're even in America long enough to pick up on pick up on that. So, and this isn't to like denigrate or under underplay the actual like risk of you know predators lurking in our midst and 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 exploiting the most vulnerable amongst us, us like namely the kids here, uh, but like that that perception does kind of taint the profession a little. So I think, uh, um, okay. It's, it's, it's a little bit like, like a dude who's like, yeah, I want to be a gynecologist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I read an article about that. Like, it's like, it's, it's a profession. Like gynecology is like 90% female now, if not more, Mm -hmm. I think it's actually more. Um, there's like, there's just a handful of male, uh, uh, students in that pipeline or male gynecologists in the pipeline. Uh, and they're trying to like, discrim- like being discriminated against or like people just looking at them weird, uh, and being like, yeah, on the, yeah, on, on the one hand you should absolutely, that's, 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 
that's not great. Um, you should be getting the respect due to the profession. You should be if you're doing a good job. On the other hand, it's still like, bro, why are you why why are you a gynecologist? Really? Like, I wonder why? if it even pays well. Like if it if it didn't even pay well, if it wasn't like say like dermatology or whatever that those like hot professions are, that's even mm-hmm. more suspect. Like why? Because I think the problem with male elementary school teachers is there is kind of a reason to be suspicious because it is low yeah. paying. There's no yeah. social. In fact, not only is there no social status, probably negative social status. Like mm-hmm. the, the harsh truth is probably like, I don't know, if you're like out there uh, dating and stuff and you, you tell your date, oh, I, I teach like second grade. She's probably going to be like, you know, oh. All right. Well, you, you, <laughs> yeah, you get hit weird. with a double whammy. Want a like? Are you a are you a pedophile? And B, you're broke. Right, right. So <laughs> like it's like in, in the face of all that, what could be such a incentive for a man to teach elementary school? So mm-hmm. the the natural assumption would be, oh, he he must have a thing for little kids, like in a bad mm-hmm. way, not like in a good fatherly yeah. way, but like in a yeah. pervert way. So yeah mm-hmm. the whole incentive structure is messy if like for example we live in a society where elementary school teachers were well paid well respected and all that yeah it would be it would make total sense for that to be a viable career option for both genders but yeah and they'd have to be like if if you make a, a um if you make a profession prestigious automatically you you get to like gatekeep more uh you get mm-hmm. to vet who who joins the profession more so you'd yeah. hopefully get to weed out you know obvious bad faith actors here um mm-hmm. we don't have that Right. So that's unfortunate because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it would be nice to have more men teaching teaching kids. You need that. You need that kind of uh, that exposure to like um, leadership figures, um, right. especially yeah, for boys. Just... I guess for me, it never it, it didn't really uh, resonate that deeply because, you know, I'm a woman, so it doesn't really um, it's not like I noticed a, a lack, a, a noticeable lack. But for boys, I can totally see how that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. yeah there's just like something i think uh i don't know like your your mom is never as scary as your dad you know that's like that I think that's just generally the case mm-hmm. so you know you got some unruly boys you know like sometimes it just takes like like a guy to yell at them to get them in line and uh, it can be a, a woman teacher can be the best teacher ever and everything but it's just like i don't know just like not the same mm-hmm. yeah i see that mm-hmm. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, this story I found hilarious. Somebody shared it also in the Discord today. Uh, props to the Discord, pretty much fueling this this episode. Where would we be without you? Yeah, let's let's do some attribution. So thank you to Cal, um, who gave us the hilarious uh, misguided <laughs> misguided woke teacher <laughs> poster. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and this next thing I want to talk about uh, the North Star Boys. I think it was Paluo uh, or Paluo. I'm not sure how to say his username. Who shared it with us? So I mean, this this is hilarious. So these are some TikTok stars who apparently came to Times Square recently and caused some kind of uh, mob. And and I I like I kind of know them because uh, Philip and I, you know, we we kind of just like to just see what's going on in Asian TikTok here here and there. They're you know they're a pretty popular group, bunch of guys, and for the life of us. We cannot figure out what they do. <laughs> well, we know we know what they do. They, 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 I think they live in a TikTok house and just do um, TikTok stuff and everything. But okay, so they're not so, actually a real band. 
They're just a TikTok. No, no, no see, group? that's the thing. They they have all the aesthetics of an Asian boy band. They they all kind of live like you know if you ever see like a BTS type of reality show or a variety show or whatever like a webcast. It's like that. Mm-hmm. They're like all hanging out in the house. They're they're ha- they're having like sleepovers. They're cutting each other's hair or jumping in a pool together. But so they're like a boy band, but they don't sing, they don't dance, they don't act, they don't uh, perform anything. I think they just meme or they make videos. I, I just peruse their YouTube channel, all their videos. They're quite long. They're not like actual like TikTok length, they're like 15, 20 minutes. All their titles are like the the NSB boys um, go get their ears pierced or something. <laughs> Weird. So it's basically a reality show. For just reality for the show. Media. Age. right yeah and I, I just find it so funny and I, I i just imagine i wanted to joke to philip that imagine like he has a daughter and his daughter uh gets into these types of not not like these guys but you know these these types of like tiktok stars and i can see philip just being so flummoxed like what do these guys do exactly and and his daughter will be like Oh my god, dad, that's such a stupid question. Oh, okay, like, okay, millennial. Like, oh, what do they do? What is you know, that's okay, so but what like, do they 2000. do? <laughs> Humor see, your daughter and father. What do they do? That's that's a dinosaur mindset, you know, when people had mm-hmm. to actually do things. Now you just gotta be. And actually, you know what this reminds me of? This kind of is like, you know how in school there's always like like a popular clique. And mm-hmm. The, their mundane lives becomes your source of like entertainment. Uh, no, this is not really okay. Okay, uh, I, I guess you were too above that. But for the rest of us, we all know that it, you know we there are like people like oh you know you, what happened this weekend so and so, uh you know they had this party and so and so. Oh okay yeah uh, okay. I get got that mad yeah at, you know hurt him or her yeah sure. No, I get that. I I I think uh, I think that. Uh, I understand that, and I, to a limited degree, I understand. I share. I, I I get where that's coming from, um, but my high school is just so big; um, it mm. couldn't really get that entrenched. Like there were eight hundred people per class. Oh wow, that's pretty big. Um, yeah, yeah. Like people get heat stroke at our graduations because it takes Jeez. so long to get through the names. Yeah, God damn, mm. that's not pleasant. So <laughs> it just doesn't create. It's it's not so like insular that. Uh, uh, there's like one defined like kingpin or mm-hmm. a, a tight click. There's multiple. Right. But even within those clicks, there is kind of like a like a like a prime group that everyone just is forced to kind of be fascinated by. This seems like yeah, I that, think so, yeah. but on a mega scale where like if 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 like America was, was basically like a high school, these are like the popular boys of a certain clique or a certain part of a subculture of the high school. And yeah, them hanging out on a weekend and going to the movies is something that all their fans um, take an interest in. And it's, it's probably with, you know, social lives getting more online and every day, like you're no longer rooted to your actual physical location. Your social life is no longer limited by that. So it's like, yeah, we're just projecting the same type of, uh dynamics uh onto onto the internet that's why these dudes who aren't doing anything are still popular the same way that the popular so kids at your paid? school so they live in this house um how do they get paid or uh, what, what's their deal i don't know are brand they paid sponsors? by a bigger 
I mean, this house must be owned by by like a corporation or something, and they just rent it out to these guys. Or like, what's the deal here? Well, I mean, I, I'm no expert, but I'm guessing that you know they started off just a bunch of regular kids and then they start getting more popular then a bunch of corporations like hey you want to hawk this you want to hawk that and then eventually okay. you get big enough and you and you get your own house and they're, you know they're basically like kind of like living spokespeople for whatever brands are sponsoring them weird. and okay. yeah so well i say weird but that's not any different than uh than the than the corporate model that we grew up under mm-hmm. it's not like britney spears is some grassroots star mm-hmm. you want to um, hear my conspiracy theory on what what's powering all this sure Let's hear it. I think I, I blame China. Yeah, See, this is China uh, using TikTok to poison the minds of not just young Americans, but young Asian Americans. Because mm. they know that basically American like science and technology, which will which you know translates into like military power, which translates into geopolitical power, a lot of it is fueled by Asian Americans. Like you ever see those like um you know, international math contest, and you see the the American team is like all a bunch of Asians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, these Asian Americans, we can't trust them. We need to make them stupid. How do we make them stupid? <laughs> uh, let's let's let them aspire to be the North Star boys as opposed to, I don't know, future MIT graduates. And mm, they're using okay. their 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 TikTok powers to manipulate the algorithm. And now every young Asian American boy is going to aspire to be a North Star boy. <laughs> Instead of interesting, um, uh, like you know, the Intel Math Olympiad champion. That is my theory. Uh, yep. That I mean, you and Joe Rogan both share this theory. <laughs> actually, I mean, it's kind of it, this like tracking ch- sentiment on China is kind of interesting. Um, it 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 creates interesting permutations. But like Joe Rogan says this openly with his guests too. Like, um, um, it's not necessarily anti-China. I mean, in aggregate, I think it adds up to a pretty uh, sinophobic take on what's going on in China. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, he occasionally says stuff like, like, you know, like you used to go over, um, you go to like, like uh, Douyin, you know, Ch- China's uh, TikTok. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how the content there is really like curated for a different, a much different kind of society and culture than the one that's cultivated over here. Right. So, over there, and I have no idea how true that is. I'm just, I'm reporting on what he is saying. Mm-hmm. He, he has his take. Yeah, I've heard this. that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, it's, it's like, like kids that are doing like engineering or, you know, um, you know, like astronauts um celebrating like great accomplishments in society and you know encouraging kids to study hard and and work hard and and stuff like that and you hop over here and it's kind of degenerate crap like uh like like reality star content you know uh people dancing to crazy things uh stuff like that so and so um so his is his whole take and you know i can see where he's coming from on this where it's like maybe it is like maybe it, it are these platforms it's a matter of what these platforms are designed to do if they are strictly supposed to cater to the will of the masses then what happens when the masses are just really decadent and stupid does that make it a bad product or does that make it a bad society yeah but apparently china has banned minors from being able to tip streamers after okay. 10 p.m or no Wait, the way this headline is worded is a little confusing. China to ban minors from tipping streamers and watching after 10 p.m. Now, is tipping streamers included in the after 10 p.m. clause? Like you're allowed to tip streamers before it? I don't think so. Just the way it's written, I think it's just poorly worded. So, you know, it's not all, it's not like every 
Chinese kid is so just um, using do your st- all your Douyin streaming to... and end it by nine fifty nine. Like who would do? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, the minute you set like the problem with setting rules at a high level like that is that once you create a rule, you've now created a game, right? The game is to mm-hmm. now beat this rule somehow to get around it. So you know, um, so you got to be really careful about how you set those rules to begin with. Um, you don't want it to become fundamentally like a useless rule because people, so many people were able to just gamify it or work around it. Um, does it support the spirit of whatever it is you're trying? Like, is that the right rule to support the spirit of the thing you're trying to push? Um, not, not enough people put thought into that. Um, not saying yeah, this I'm- rule is or isn't that. I'm not, I'm not in China. I have no opinion on that. Uh, just saying like here, people throw out a lot of really stupid stuff because they haven't thought it through. Um and get surprised when people are able to just sidestep it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and Teen talked a lot about like law school and, and just the whole system of law. And I, that is one of the principles of good lawmaking is like, you can't get too specific because then it'll just give people guidelines on how to evade it. In fact, this is a, a problem in sports where, you know, a rule is there and the best minds in the sports know how to, essentially flout the spirit of it but still be technically within it i think bill belichick the patriots coach was the master of that where he would uh you know figure out okay the rule says this and because like american football is such a convoluted sport with so many rules it's like okay uh if you can if there's like a rule that says um you know within like five seconds you got to do this or something you know just whatever and he'll make up some ridiculous way to interpret it that will technically still be legal but it's just obviously not what the rule intended but hey that's what the rule says and you're not breaking it they can't do anything like that mm-hmm. best they'll they can just change it the next season but by then you've already won the super bowl yeah exactly so it's worth putting a lot of careful thought into i mean stuff like uh like uh, the past olympics right eileen Gu was uh, you know she got she got roasted over the coals here for like and nobody could actually point to any rules she had broken it's just a general feel it just didn't feel right or something or like doping rules right um i'm sure people are out there flouting those rules left and right i mean they're one it's a measure of who can get away with breaking the rule once you set it uh and b it's how creative you can get get in pushing the boundary without explicitly crossing the line yeah definitely no um, I think that's all I have to say about the the North Star boys. I will have to say though, as I think they're second generation Asian American guys. As as a fellow second generation Asian American guy, I can't help but just like, as long as they're not being predatory or something behind the scenes, I'm just like, <laughs> I just find the whole thing kind of funny. And you know, I'm like, hey, go go, you guys, you know, like. Wait, are are they kind of like? Did are they kind of living the Truman Show life? Is that I guess, yeah, I guess where so, they cause... themselves are the product of entertainment that's being that's being put forth under the veneer of like oh this is this is their real like life. Yeah, of course they got no songs. They have they have no other type of output besides this is us having fun. The, the, uh, in in the thing that Palua uh, provided, there's um, I don't know if I can find it in time, but there was this thing. It was so funny. They're like, what's what's your mission statement? It's like we, we want to inspire. Uh, our fans it's like but through what it just it was just very to do what it, yeah <laughs> buy it, an it energy drink very, and chew gum like what? yeah it seemed like very kind of like culty slash you know self-helpy you know where you're deliberately vague because you're just selling more of a a sentiment as opposed to an actual good or product or 
or useful idea. So, mm-hmm. but as I said, like, you know, as long as they're not hurting anyone, wh- why not them? No, why not cash in on the attention economy? Hope they're <laughs> making bank. Um, yeah, why not? This is just mm-hmm. the decadent times we live in. I feel kind of bad for people their age, though, because they must feel some kind of pressure to also do that kind of stuff. Like, I'm, I'm like, way past that age, so I'm, like, I can laugh at it and just, you know, enjoy it from a distance, just these silly antics. But if you're, like, a guy that age, are you thinking, oh, damn it, I got to find my TikTok posse and, and, get, and, and get my own Times Square mob? And that's, yeah, that's got to be... And it's, like, Probably. it's not even... Maybe back in the day, you would do that by joining a band or doing some some other cool thing or whatever. But this is just, I don't even know what they're doing, like memeing or coming up with uh, uh, lip syncs or dance moves that, that you're not even creating, right? You're just trying to do the trend better than everyone else. It's like... I don't need. I don't need to live in that kind of world. So, I mean, it's a more crystallized version of the millennial side hustle culture that was going around. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I, I think it started pretty early on. Like, uh, I think I was starting to see this, like tw- twenty ten. The idea of like monetizing your side hustle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was always kept very vague, so it was really just it was left open ended. So you see, like people, like oh, you know, Sheila monetized her, you know, knitting habit, and oh, is right, now yeah. one of like Etsy's top, you know, sellers of cat shoes, knitted cat <laughs> shoes, stuff like that. And we like it's and looking back, it's like horribly dystopian stuff. It's like Sheila had Sheila was having anxiety breakdowns at her big from working, you know, two jobs and dealing with student debt um in the wake of the great recession her stress her stress relieving outlet was knitting and one day she found she found the perfect idea why not sell this sell her products on etsy and like okay all right okay be like sheila i guess have you ever seen julie and julia yes that, that's the airplane. plot yeah that's the whole plot yeah. of that movie uh amy adams's character i forget her name by day works uh, in this like soul crushing telemarketing job, uh, pays garbage, but she has her side hustle blogging about, you know, going through the um, Julia Child's cookbook. And that takes her into uh, like, well, she doesn't become a chef. That's not what, but she becomes like an author and, and is able to quit her job. And that was the millennium, not millennium, millennial dream that I think that mm-hmm. movie was set in kind of the early 2000s. And I, I watched that a couple of years ago, and it was such a, such a, like, um, like a guileless uh, endorsement of that dream that you know you you can do, you can achieve your dream, maybe not right away, but you um, you just just blog and blog and blog, and somebody will swoop in and give you a shiny book deal, and uh, you can quit your. It's a Cinderella job. story. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's kind of ironic that it's Amy Adams, who literally did play, was it Cinderella or Snow White or something? She was a Disney princess. Yeah, Enchanted. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so, yeah, perfect perfect movie for the time. That's <laughs> that's kind of it, yeah. You work really hard, you're pure at heart, you know. You, you have a little bit of suffering going on, and then you will be rewarded with uh, riches. Mm-hmm. And not only riches, but like a very mainstream form of success like you're not like you're not gonna become like some disgusting like uh patreon king or queen that's like for the morlocks no you're gonna 
like if you're if mainstream, you're right, you're yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you, you get you're gonna get written up in the New Yorker or, or something like that. So yeah, it's and it's really kind of it's it's really <laughs> you get kind of whiplash if you think about it too hard. Like in these movies, they always follow this, a similar template. The first half of the movie, it's oh, the publishing industry is corrupt. It's incestuous. They're 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 outdated. They're so old fashioned. They're totally behind the times. And then as soon as like the as soon as the protagonist makes it in that world, suddenly this suddenly publishing is great <laughs> um it's 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 wonderful and it's everything a girl should be aspiring to achieve like which mm-hmm. one is it it's the same industry mm-hmm. yeah that so. movie also is like the boyfriend character is such a jerk like it, it, oh i remember that yeah he just gets like mad at her for cooking him all this great mm-hmm. french food i forget why he even gets mad i think he thinks she's um like not she's kind of just like losing focus on her i don't know it's just like like who the hell wrote this like who thought this would be um and i think she like stays with him or something it's like damn this is this is like not well written (laughs) it's it's an excuse to watch some food happen a Mm feel-good story about food yeah we all needed that uh it's uh apam asian pacific american Oh, just Heritage to finish month. that thought, though, Oh, go ahead. about the side hustle culture, mm-hmm. I think in recent years, that side hustle culture has morphed once again, I think, to coincide with Gen Z becoming young mm-hmm. adults. And I think yeah. now it's uh, it's kind of clear, like uh, the side hustle is a social media hustle. Uh, becoming big oh, on yeah, Instagram else, is kind right? of a dead end deal uh, for women. It's, uh, you know, um, it's it's what do you have an OnlyFans? <laughs> and for guys, I think it's uh, are you a TikTok, you know, dance star or something? So it's yeah. still the it's a, still the same like side hustle culture uh, that the millennials got plagued with, but like evolved slightly for the times, it with oh, very so defined uh, funnels. So you're saying now that whereas our generation, you actually it was more like okay, you like uh, brewing your own beer. Now you can sell it. Now it's just more like you're just selling yourself. Yeah, it's a more base form oh, yeah. of uh, self prostitution. Maybe you don't mm-hmm. even need to qualify. It's a it's a different form of selling yourself. Uh, I mean, side hustle culture was criticized for for basically prostituting out parts of your personality or your identity or stuff like that. But um, and it's only a sign of how degraded the times have gotten that there is a silver lining to to the millennial <laughs> side hustle thing. Uh, it still relied on some basis of uh, like knowledge or skill, mm-hmm. uh, like Sheila, the proverbial Sheila. She knew mm-hmm. how to knit. She was yeah. able to start a business on Etsy, was able to market and and deliver products and cultivate happy customers and leverage all that to become a successful small businesswoman um, selling knitted cat hats. Uh, you know, Joe, who, you know, Joe, the former banker who decided to give it all up, uh, quit, his, quit his job and go become a brewer in Oregon. Uh, that's still a skill that he had to mm-hmm. leverage to do all this. This one is a more pure form of just be hot on the Internet hot enough on the internet in some way and the attention and money will come to you there is very little there's very little mention of a skill that you're peddling it's not it's not saying you here's how you can use tiktok to promote your cat hat business it's you are selling yourself oh you can be hot and or you can be very hectoring that's that's the lucrative industry and scolding people With uh, infographics and um, you know TikToks about what they shouldn't do and and all that, 
Uh, I guess it's you know for among us who are who may be more uh, let's say aesthetically disadvantaged <laughs> maybe that's a that's the only other route but yeah you're right <laughs> there is there in fact I think if you try peddling a skill uh, people will be like you you fucking elitist um, I don't know I think yeah, some I've people seen that. Actually- um, I started following some like three D printers like mm-hmm. um. I was thinking of getting back into like 3D printing, you know, see where stay, see where that stuff is, you know. So I was doing research on like printers and you know good practices, software. Um, it gets ugly. Uh, you were talking about like, oh, this is this is ableism. Not not everyone's wait, able wait, to wait, do wait, this. Wait, 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 what? Uh, like 3D printing is ableism. Yeah, with these like, I mean, to be fair, there is a high barrier to entry. You do have to have, you do have to have knowledge, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of the materials that you need to get started do take money if you don't have mm-hmm. access to like, like a lot of libraries. And here's the public service announcement for this episode. A lot of, if you mm-hmm. live in a big city, your your public library probably has 3D printers or access to them for you to be, for you or your kids to be able to, to, uh, to learn how to do this. So if you live in a big metropolis, look that up. If it's something that you're interested in, chances are you're going to, there's going to be a resource available that doesn't require you to put up like thousands of dollars to buy your own printer when you don't Mm -hmm. know anything about, about the field. So, um, so that being said, if you do want to jump into it, like I wanted to just, I wanted to look it up so I could buy my own printer, stuff like that. Um, and then, so you come across like these makers doing stuff and, you know, um, it, it gets really contentious. Um, people accusing people of like, this is like elitism or ableism, like, especially when creators are like, oh, anybody can do this. Like, this is ableist. I have ADHD. Um, so this is ableism to say that anyone can do this. Cause I can't like, uh, okay. I, we've, we've hit a new low on this, honestly. Could, uh, um, could, could, or uh, like, yeah, like somebody, somebody was doing, I forget what it was. I think it was pottery or something. Um, and it's just, it's a retired woman who's just sharing her hobby, oh, no. um, which is like, like pottery or glass blowing or something like that. Um, and then, you know, the, the comments get really snarky. Like most of them are nice to be fair. And then some will be like, Oh God, it must be so nice to be, uh, to have all this time and money to be able to indulge in, 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 uh, expensive little hobbies like that. How it, it like kind of implying that she's showing off by putting yeah. it on TikTok. Jeez. Um, uh, back yeah. to the 3d printing thing. I, I'm, are these people like selling what they're printing? Uh, some people are, um, a lot of people are real, like open source, um, uh, f- uh, fans, I don't know what to call them. Like people who believe in the pro- like open source pro- So open sourcing knowledge, tools, yeah. software, skills, stuff like that. So a lot of people are doing this for free. Oh, okay, so, so they're, they're like even better than selling, they're like say I don't know how three D printers work. Let's say they they map out how to three uh, D print a, a, a pen. And they're just giving mm-hmm. this away for free. Yeah, so they'll sell. So they'll just give like a lot of the like some of them do sell stuff, right? Like artists, three D artists, they'll sell mm-hmm. the products of their work. And obviously, it's so intricate that uh, it almost wouldn't like. Oh, that's that's different, right? Uh, but a lot of like tech, like three D people in tech, right? They'll do something like um, like really cool stuff, like uh, like out of date consoles, right? Or um, just out of date tech. Um, so it's so something falls, so something breaks. It's not easy to find a replacement part, or it's prohibitively expensive. Uh, so they'll do stuff like, "Hey guys, I uh, this is this is my blueprint for printing this weird arcane little like like uh, like holder for this one little like chip in the Nintendo I don't know in the Sega Genesis or something." 
um, stuff, stuff like that. Um, and you know, a lot of these people, you know, they'll just give help out for free. So other, other 3d people in the 3d printing community will be like, Hey, I'm having a problem with this. And they'll spend a lot of time like troubleshooting or teaching, teaching them best practices, stuff like that. Overall, a really wholesome community. Um, it's just when they run into, but a, the numbers never get as big as like the girls doing lipstick, like doing makeup on TikTok mm-hmm. or doing dances. Yeah. Uh, the numbers just never approach that. And when it gets contentious, it gets really contentious. Yeah, I mean, I ask about the selling thing because if it is indeed a high barrier of entry, shouldn't you be thankful that these people have taken up the cost to do them? I mean, that's the whole reason why we don't all want to make our own food or or grow our own food or or blow our own glassware. So I was like, no, if we all did it, it would take up too much time and money. So we, you know, we like let a few people who want to do that for their own reasons. And we're like, Oh, thanks for doing that. At least if it's high quality, if it's bad quality, uh, we're like, get the fuck out of here. But it's, it, I mean, I think it shows that. Yeah. That, that, that kind of resentment and uh, degrad, like just disrespect of skill, because it's like what these people, what we are all seeking in this whole like online sphere is not really, we, we, you know, we want to get an object or we want to, learn or like something is that we want to feel like we matter and the only way you can do that is to become like an online star and if you are in my way by being too good at something you are now in my way of of becoming uh some like i don't know social media maven or something and i think it's and i've said this a lot in previous episodes i think it's because you know the 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 as the world gets bigger, you just get swallowed up in it. You just become more and more of a nobody. At least when, you know, we were talking about high schools, like you could at least, that was your, those were your boundaries and it was manageable. Like it made sense to you. But now it's like you are, you could be like competing with somebody halfway around the world and it's really scary. And the only way to feel like you're not just gonna get drowned out as just a faceless ant in this like ant colony that we all live in is to get some followers and at least get people pretending they like you in some way or or even love you and if you don't actually there, there's um there's a book i read a long time ago it's called fame junkie and i i really enjoyed it and a lot of the things i read and it stayed with me and it was about these very scammy so-called talent agencies and schools that would sell these dreams to little kids uh, about if you come here, you can become a child star and you can make a lot of money and you can go to the Oscars and or whatever. Well, when people still want to go to the Oscars, you know, stuff like that. And they said like the generally the demographic that came to these schools are often kids who are kind of like lower class. So, you know, they, they dreamed of wealth, but also a lot of them just felt very unloved. Like their parents were too busy or maybe they were just crappy parents and they just like didn't really nurture them or whatever. So they thought... The only way they could feel like a somebody was to imagine having this audience with whom it would be a very one-way relationship. Like they would adore me, but I wouldn't even know they existed. And if they died, I wouldn't know. But if I, if I happened to stub my toe, it would make the front page news. And that was like their fantasy, uh, like compensatory fantasy. But now we are all like that. You know, we don't have to be, we don't have to be from a broken home. We can live perfectly well-adjusted lives. I mean, you see this with, you know, like, Old ass people, uh, you know, millionaires, even billionaires, making complete asses of themselves on social media, 
because they need that attention because they feel like they matter. It's like, oh, this is very, this is very uh, horrid. Yeah. There's not, yeah. Yeah. Nothing more needs to be said about that. I think it's just, yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's just uh nothing more needs to be said about that. She says, as she's about to say more things. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I think I, I think you talk about it quite a bit, and so the, what I'm talking about is kind of an extension of the thing that you uh, that you've been exploring over the years a bit. It's a a degradation of a, a reclassification where people value in in themselves and in others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you you and Eliza call it call it out quite often in like young adult literature, where where it, or like literature in general maybe, where it's more about like the identity of who is writing it and their politics than it is about the quality of the product that they're producing. Right. Yeah. So what we see on social media is kind of an amplified effect, like a general degradation and devaluing of actual skill. Uh, mm-hmm. of expertise of skill in favor of fuzzier metrics like authenticity right so uh it's uh, the a presentation a performed authenticity um authentic per, you know personality is somehow more valuable than someone who is is demonstrating a, a hard skill mm-hmm. so the quality yeah. of the product matters much much less than uh the ability of the creator to resonate emotionally with the audience and that's a total mm-hmm. performance it's a it's a total head game it's a it's about who, it's it's actually selecting for total psychopaths it's people who can put on a very very polished public performance of personal identity and authenticity but by but by definition if you're putting on a performance how authentic could it really be so i think we're selecting for sociopaths at nearly every level of society Oh yeah, even more so. Uh, I think this little uh, thing that I shared with some people today uh, taps into this. But there was an article. I mean, not not like a mainstream article. I forget what uh, publication it was in, but it called for J.K. Rowling to hand over the Harry Potter franchise to her fandom. What? Yeah, because like they just were turn like, over copyright. Kind of just like uh, I guess give the uh, the rights to the IP to a uh, better steward. Of her own work while she's still alive. And she's not like senile. She's still in her mental and creative prime. Well, and it, I mean, I that thought doesn't it was, matter. Like, And I thought that was so disrespectful. I mean, like, say what you will about Harry Potter and its literary merit. You might even think J.K. Rowling is not a very good writer. But whatever. It's like, But she's the one who created all this. It was her skill, as we're talking about. And for this person and, and i know this person's like it wasn't some freakazoid uh with some uh, lone wolf type of opinion i think this is a somewhat popular opinion among the you know rabid anti-rolling hate uh people like yeah it doesn't matter if she created it it belongs to us now because i i guess we love it so much it, it belongs to us and it was just and maybe one thing to I would have so much respect for him if they just said, you know what, I'm gonna burn all my Harry Potter books. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like scrape off this tattoo I got. I'm and I, I'm actually just gonna go read a uh, Discworld or, or some other fantasy series. That's actually doing what's most in your power as a reader or consumer. But to be like, no, 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 um, we're just gonna take the thing you created, and and you don't get to do it anymore because it's just. <laughs> 
What? Any comments? That's so nuts. <laughs> I, I mean, I had problems with the Harry Potter franchise from the beginning, actually. I think I was a little older when I came into it. I, I was I was in college when I read uh, when I read the books. Mm-hmm. I think most of them had actually come out. I think everything but the last one had already come out by the time I read the first one. So I think coming into yeah. a little older gave me a little bit more perspective. Mm-hmm. They are they're very fun. Right. In the sense that it's very creative writing, very, very good, like intricate world building, very immersive, you know, very dynamic. And then you just but then you look at the rules of the world that she created and it's it's truly weird. Yeah. And I think uh, in recent years, it's (laughs) it's a feudal society, right? Um, society but it has modern technology i don't know why the muggles don't just nuke them like with that with that like win them the war i don't know the wizards don't I just seem felt that powerful very very awkward um i mean there's characters that are just basically exist in the book to be bullied like bullied badly too might mm-hmm. i add uh just a lot of it is really catty and petty and just I, it just didn't resonate with me and I mean, there's literally slaves in the book yeah literally slaves um i mean this was the height of like potter mania so it's not like so it's i didn't really i didn't open my mouth about this i just felt like this was maybe this was just a misread on my part i enjoyed the books by the way don't get me wrong and it's just yeah it's just in recent years when um like when rowling started to get hate for her transphobia online that people started to unpack it and part of me kind of wonders like would you have picked up on the bad themes in harry potter if rowling had kept her mouth shut and the answer to that is no. For myself, I can definitely say yes. And I know mm-hmm. this because sometime in college, <laughs> because I was so cool, I wrote a whole Facebook essay <laughs> about oh, all no. the things that were messed up of the Harry Potter world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of the things I remember were like, okay, uh, it seems like, like H- Hogwarts, the class sizes there seem very small Everyone seems to marry their high school sweethearts. And I was just like, this seems very incestuous. You're probably, I don't think people are making wise decisions. Um, I think I said other things about probably probably like the, the fact that nobody learns anything about like say math or logical deduction or chemistry or, or anything is mm-hmm. like they're just like uh you know how do they even count coins like do they even have what kind of numerical system do they use and when do they learn it uh is there an elementary school that they go to because you know hogwarts doesn't start until they're what 12 or something mm-hmm. so um yeah so I, I i wrote an article like that and that was that was when jake Rowling was still universally beloved so i can proudly say for myself I saw through the bullshit early on. Yay us! It just didn't. <laughs> it just didn't strike me as like like just to see the like groveling the characters that just basically exist to live terrible lives. Um, the bad dynamics. This one magic kid just somehow wins everything nearly effortlessly, but while keeping his hands clean. If there's dirty work to be done, the universe colludes to make sure that he is morally impeccable. Also, like, Harry's only good at Quidditch because he only always has the best broomstick. What the yeah. what the fuck kind of bullshit is that? It's like, yeah. uh, I don't know. It's is I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of an equivalent. Um, I don't know. You're playing like polo, and everyone's riding like donkeys, and you get the thoroughbred. <laughs> it's just like that's yeah. not fair. Yeah. Um. So it's it's just a weird stack of, uh, it's just a weird stack of rules that this universe is built on that I didn't that I that didn't really uh that. And also they're like, oh yeah, Cho Chang. Like that honestly was like the least problematic part of the book, honestly. <laughs> um that didn't even hit my register. Um 
So, but if it, if she hadn't, if she hadn't, uh, if she hadn't come out as a, as being against like, like trans people, nobody would really have examined the Harry Potter universe that closely. So, you know, when they say like, oh, she, they want her to divest from it basically be so that this, uh, this beautiful, pure work she was somehow able to, able to create, uh, should be, should be restored to its full glory, unsullied by its creator. Um, you're kind of saying you just want I, okay. A, uh, you're kind of rejecting the premise that you know a, a creator with bad politics could create, um, could cre- uh, could create good work, right? And that's that's a lot of the that's a lot of the um, ideology behind like like uh, canceling authors and creators, right? Like yeah. me too, right? Posthumously, Wein- even yeah. Yeah, like Weinstein, obviously, you know, um, there's there was a real move to like redact his name from from the movies he produced, um, <laughs> stuff like that. Like problematic uh, authors, their their works should be because the idea is that they what they did in their personal lives, um, of course, has some influence on the work that they that they created, or it's so tainted in some way that it's inextricable from the creator's bad name. So if you want if you want J.K. Rowling to divest, and you're, you're suddenly just happy with that, I didn't read the article you you, uh, you shared, so I'm just going off of uh, I'm just going off of what you said about it. If they're just expecting you to do that and then walk away, and then suddenly everything is fine, um, you're kind of rejecting that premise, aren't you? Somehow this woman with like bone deep problematic views that should never be allowed in polite society or to have a voice or a say in anything or even ownership over her work somehow created this, this, uh, this pure thing that's completely unsullied by anything bad and should be allowed to exist on its own merits. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. And I think that's, that they got to reconcile the fact that People of their ideology, this kind of very, uh, uh, you know, like kind of like where they want everything to be like Aesop's fables kind of thing, and everyone has to be virtuous, like the creator. All that stuff isn't good. I think I think they even have to admit it. Like no matter how much, uh, you know, fakery they put on social media, like oh my god, you know, I'm dying at some very unfunny comedy show or or whatever, some drama. I think deep down they know it kind of sucks, so they gotta they gotta find a way. Like, how can I still enjoy what I enjoy, whether it's from some like rabid racist or misogynist or whatever, uh, with still upholding my principles? I know I can just somehow lock them off, and it's gonna be okay for me to enjoy. And I think deep down they love like the things that bother I think us from the get go about Harry Potter, about how just it's like the story's so like aristocratic, you know. Everyone's mm-hmm. descended from the the right families, even the ones who aren't. Kind of, I guess, like Hermione's kind of not, but she's kind of the exception. It, it does play into that fantasy. I think at their deepest, deepest fantasies, deep down, they're they're kind of like boring, very stable middle class household, whatever they grew up in. That's not their real lineage. In fact, they're descended from basically gods. And mommy and daddy were wrong about everything. Like Dursleys. Like Dursleys are irredeemable. Like I personally love the Dursleys because I thought they were hilariously villainous, but <laughs> they're they're horrible people. So mommy and daddy wrong about everything. You're actually a, a superhero wizard, witch god, and best of all, you got to go to an elite British boarding school with other fancy British boys and girls, and you got to like hop and skip in your castle, and and you know, wear those nice sweaters and robes. And it's, it's, it's such an elitist fantasy. And I think 
your your typical kind of like blue check liberal who is you know the biggest stereotypical adult harry potter fan that is exactly what they want and that's why they can't let it go mm-hmm. yeah they, I, I mean i have respect for the ones that are like you know I, i'm just burning all my harry potter shit i'm over that now i'm also mm. 45 uh <laughs> and the, and then there's and then there's you know i saw like like spam from pottery barn um this is so millennial um it's a Harry Potter collaboration. So Le Creuset, oh, no. the cast iron, the oh, cast iron company. It looks like a cauldron. Yeah. 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 Oh. They do like enameled as cast iron pots with like the lightning bolt or, you know, the little like handle thing is a, uh, what do you call it? The, the little thing that the little ball with wings. It's a snitch. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. yeah. And snitch. so this, oh my yeah. God. And these cast iron pots are $400. That is such a perfect melding of, you know, like millennials now, especially of of a certain like, let's say social sphere. Now you can afford the the four hundred dollar uh, Dutch ovens and cast iron whatever. And what do you do? You you meld it with Harry Potter. Oh my god, this that's. I simultaneously wish I hadn't heard that, but I'm also glad I did. That. yeah it's, it it's, exists it's, it's, it's seared into my it's brain like I'm not, so now you I'm have not to, smiling you have to but it. i am laughing deep inside in yes. a sad sad way yeah and they sold out in like a day oh my god yeah so <laughs> that's the capitu- that's the total encapsulation of where millennials are at right now harry uh, potter and Le not jesus christ uh we we deserve like all the slander we get don't we it's just like it depends on who's saying it. If it's a boomer saying it, I'll go to the mats to defend millennials. Like, fuck you. You don't get to slander my people. If it's another millennial, be like, yeah, we're fucked up. Mm, yeah, but you know, it's like the truth is the truth, right? Regardless of the messenger. And it may be more annoying depending on who says it. But if, if it's right, it's right. I Oy. I reject that completely if it's from a boomer or a Gen Z. <laughs> I absolutely reject that. Uh, nope. <laughs> uh well, look, okay, if we're fucked oh, up, if we're fucked up the boomers raised us. So who's mm. who's really to blame there? Yeah. No, I was, okay. was going to talk about that, that strip club that was apparently uh, oh, welcoming God. Ukrainian applicants. Okay, was that Again, real? I don't know how real this is. This could easily be photoshopped. But the thing is, we've seen this before in other mm-hmm. instances, whether it's like some Ukrainian woman getting raped in... I don't know. It was like France or Poland or something. To all yeah, sorts of other. England fuckery. had to do that whole thing. Like, okay, how about we not let single men take in uh, Ukrainian female refugees? Mm-hmm. Because it's uh, it's it's turning into a total shit show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't doubt that. If we are not there, we are barely a half step above this. Okay, here's like a maybe a little uncomfortable slash controversial thought I had. Obviously, like no, this is like like 100% bad like you know women getting trafficked raped uh what uh etc because of this but if it, you know there's like i think certain countries especially a country like Ukraine we probably see something like this if it happens somewhere in Asia let's say like you know North Korea Vietnam or or something and there's this outpouring of support of like oh protect the women you know that they're so beautiful and we need to um you know, save them from war and and sometimes even their own countries versus the countries we don't do that for. Is this not just like basically uh, like a 
geopoliticized version of missing white woman syndrome, where society suddenly cares, uh, has an outpouring of concern for certain types of women that they deem basically like kind of sexually valuable versus not. And a lot of, for example, black women get really pissed off when they see like black girls go missing and nobody cares. Whereas we saw this with, with that Gabby, what's her name? Petito or something. Like, mm-hmm. like a whole country was caught up in that and everyone cared. Um, so I'm, I'm just thinking like, let, let's say, okay, so you see all this stuff with Ukraine. I'm sure no, you know, white woman's like happy that the sex strip club is, is seeking Ukrainian strippers. But mm-hmm. I think there is this like international concern for like Ukrainian women. There's got to be some level of comfort in that versus let's say let's say you're a woman from some like poor african country and some horrible shit's going on there there's no there's like nobody's caring and it's not like you want to see like strip clubs saying oh we welcome women from this country but you know you scale that down to a level where you get to like that missing white woman type of level of concern people do get upset about that if they are not included in that concern so i mean do you ever think about that like what just like very imbalanced levels of you know, this kind of like faux fake concern for women over the world. Yeah. Um, I do. I, and I don't really know if I have an opinion on that necessarily, but just more a couple of observations. It's a, it's, it seems like, yeah, there's a disproportionate amount of uh, like sympathy and concern and attention given to say Ukrainian and let's, let's face it, white Ukrainian uh, women fleeing the country or trapped in the country. However, it's, you see the, it, how shallow it is uh, because when, when was the last time you heard about like what happens to those Ukrainians refugees when they come here? Have you heard a single story? We are accepting Ukrainian refugees right now. Mm-hmm. Has anyone followed up on what's going on with them here? Like, um, I saw it. I saw this like a month ago or something. Someone documenting like, um, and this was critical of uh, of of ICE. Um, to be fair, I'm talking about how expedited and uh, and relatively luxurious accommodations for Ukrainian refugees were uh, on on the Mexican side of the California Mexico border, and how they were Ukrainian refugees were being expedited into the U.S. While at the same time, like Mexican you know refugees, you know Hispanic refugees, uh, I don't know what the word is for them, but like non-Ukrainian refugees, like people from Central and Southern uh, Southern South America. Uh-huh. Um, they're, they're in like horrendously unhygienic, cramped conditions. Kids are being separated from their parents, uh, while on the Ukrainians in the Ukrainian camps, you know, families are kept together. Um, they are given very adequate like food and shelter, um, and they're being expedited into the country. While the estimated wait time for someone, uh, someone in a different refugee camp is like months, possibly years. Like sh- the author was talking to somebody who had been in that camp for like two years, right? So they are getting they are getting an ex, a, a disproportionate amount of resources and care um, in uh, in 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 being refugees with the political lens on them, but uh, it's not very durable either. I don't know what happens to them once they actually get into the country. Are we providing them with free healthcare and rent and shit like that, or what's going on? I have no idea. Or are they just kind of like tossed into into the middle of nowhere uh, to them and then told to fend for themselves? I have no clue. Yeah. It's um, like the, so, 
while it's disproportionate, like I question the value of that attention overall. It's it's attention that's pretty much designed purely for entertainment value of people who are not refugees. So people like you and me here, we consume the story and then we move on. Oh yeah, for sure. But I wasn't even I wasn't even talking about like from those actual refugees' point of view. I'm just saying like if you were say even a non-Ukrainian white woman, I'm wondering what even if it's just like mild mild psychological benefit, like, oh, you know, women like me, we are valued enough to be headline news for a week or two versus being totally forgotten like other groups of women. Um, just wondering, you know, what that would feel like. Uh, if you could like simultaneously inhabit someone who is part of that concerned, concerned for group versus not. And if, if that is... If it is indeed worthless, like, because as you said, we don't really care about the refugees either. It's like, it's fun to think about them when they're this, like, you know, Svetlana from the, from the village, she's like young and beautiful. Oh yeah. But you know, when she's here, we got to actually pay to, you know, for her care and, you know, she might not be that nice to us. I don't know, whatever. So the idea is fun to think about for like a day and then we just move on with our lives and we don't actually care about the people. Yeah. yeah, we don't care about... I mean, it has benefit, right? Like the Gabby Petito case. There's a reason why we know her name and not like probably like the hundred non-white attractive girls who went missing or and were killed during that exact same time period, mm-hmm. right? That attention matters in terms of like being able to find, you know, f- bring to justice the people that, that do these things and then to hold them to account when they as they go through the justice system. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. there is definitely benefit. Um, it's just I question. I think it from case to case, the value of it actually it changes quite a bit. And ultimately, if it's all just primarily for entertainment value, um, it's not really that big an aspiration, in my opinion. I think it's a false. Uh, it's a it's it's a it's a false aspiration to pin your pin your activism on. That simply getting more attention from the uh, the media machine will be it can be a, a durable answer to any uh, to any systemic wrongdoing. Yeah, I think the temptation with that is it's. I think it's one of those things where if you have it, you realize how worthless it is. But if you don't have it, it does seem it, it is kind of like you know it's like it's like the like the older person who has I don't know done every drug and drank every liquor and you know, fucked every gender or whatever. Uh, saying, you know what, it's not that great. You should just like, you know, just go to, just get a job and, and live a calm life, you know? Like, trust me, I've done it. It's like, it's not that great. You know, it's like, oh, you, so if you haven't done it, it or if you haven't experienced it, 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 it is something that, it's like, let me make that call for myself. Like, if I don't have that kind of concern and attention and you're, you have it and you're telling me it's not that worth much, then, let me experience that and let me make that call for myself. Don't come from a position of, it, it can kind of seem condescending. And then I think the second temptation is getting media attention as difficult as it may be is still way easier than actually solving problems like a refugee crisis or entrenched geopolitical uh, butting of heads. Yeah, so it's like, you know, it's easier to set a goal to something that's more manageable. Like, let's just, let's get like, more clicks or more headlines for our cause. And and then even if it accomplishes nothing, we'll worry about that when we get there. We got to at least motivate ourselves by giving ourselves an achievable goal. 
Okay, well, that got kind of heavy. <laughs> we started off talking about the North Star boys and and some silly uh, teacher who, um, you know, God bless her, <laughs> was or him might might have been a man, <laughs> unlikely but probably. Um, now we're talking about, you know, trafficked women and such. So I think it's a good place to wrap it up. Um, this is a really sure. fun conversation. Yeah. So Jess, thanks for joining me and as listeners. Um, as I said. We'll have a episode soon on on beauty standards and stuff, which I think will be a nice. I don't think we ever talked about things like that. Yeah, we have um, a couple pretty good often, ones so. in the in the queue. So the beauty standards one, uh, dating and marriage in the post pandemic era. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's a big one. Oh yeah, yeah, like parenting, yeah, things like yeah. that. Yeah, shout out to Teen who's uh who's headed down the aisle pretty soon. Oh yeah, yeah, we I yeah. will be there and throwing rice or whatever throwing <laughs> <laughs> rice <laughs> uh, <laughs> alright well alright thanks for listening everyone catch you next All time right. bye 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 bye